Hey guys, it's your girl E. I am back with another podcast. Stay tuned for the next episode. Hey guys, welcome back to my podcast. Today's title of my podcast is called Prayer Changes Things. I am a firm believer that prayer changes things. I've witnessed God work in my life and I've witnessed God work in the lives of others and I've witnessed God work through circumstances that are surrounding us. Now, when I say I'm a firm believer that prayer changes things, I really mean it sincerely. And I don't mean, you know, in a way that, you know, God is a genie or, you know, that every time we pray something that we're always going to get what we want or we're always going to get the outcome that we want. And that's not the case. But I am here to give you a message that God has put on my heart and to let you know that prayer changes things. But prayer also mostly changes you rather than changing your circumstances that is surrounding you. So let's get into it. I have a few scriptures that I have for you. Um, uh, Most of these scriptures I'm going to either be getting from um, the New International Version or the King James Version. And I'll post uh, the scriptures to the podcast notes and I'll tell you which version they are. So that way you'll know how to go back and uh, look at it, right? So, okay, let's get to it. Prayer changes things. And the question that I have for you before I get into it is, do you believe that prayer can change your circumstances and that it can change you? Or are you a believer that believes whatever cards you're dealt with in life are the cards, the deck that you're supposed to deal with? I'm going to give you my answer. My answer to that question is, I don't believe that the hand that you're dealt with is the hand that you're supposed to deal with, right? And I'll give you a few examples that God has put on my heart to to show you and to, to give you Um, an example to show you how these people prayed and God changed his mind or he changed their circumstances and restored them back to um, their original state and also better than what they were in the beginning. Now, if you think that, you know, the things that are handed to you, the circumstances that come your way, if you think that, oh, This is what I'm supposed to deal with. I just have to accept it and, you know, it is what it is. You know, some people have that, you know, saying that it is what it is. And I've said that in times past before, but growing in Christ, I see that saying that it is what it is is not always the healthiest thing to say and it's not always the case, right? And I'll let you know, like, right up front. Sometimes God will give you trials. He will allow trials to come into your life. Like I said before in my books and in my other podcasts, God cannot do evil. God is not an evil God. He He's not mean, but he, he can and will allow certain circumstances to be in your life. And he'll call those trials, you know. And I'm also a firm believer that a lot of times we also suffer from our consequences of our actions. And rightfully so, but sometimes I do believe that we don't always suffer 100% of what we should suffer because we all know, and if you don't know, that uh, the Bible says in the New Testament that the wages of sin is death. You know, if God really wanted to, if as soon as you commit a sin, you would be dead. God would be like, okay, I'm going to take your life. I'm not going to put up with this and blah, blah, blah. But God is so merciful and he's so gracious. That through prayer, even if it's if it's a consequence that you open up the door for the devil to wreak havoc in your life, God can still say, back off, devil. My child has repented. They've turned from their evil ways and their wicked ways and they have come to me. And God can wipe your slate clean. I've seen him do it, you know, before in people's lives and even in my, my own life um, to be a living witness to, to tell you that. So... I don't believe that the hand that we're dealt with is what we're supposed to just deal with. Now, do I believe that God can, through his trials and through your and through suffering from, from your own circumstances, do I believe that 
through that, you have an opportunity to look at the situation and go, God, how can I grow from this? What can I learn? How can I become a better daughter? How can I become a better child? How, how can I become a better friend? You know, what can I look at and what can I get from this situation that will make me a better person? I do believe that you can do that. I do believe that God will give you the opportunity to look at the circumstances surrounding you, to look at to look at what it is that you're going through, to 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 get wisdom and to get knowledge and to get understanding and to uh be able to use that situation not to not to be down, not to be downtrodden, not to you know have wallowing self pity, but to to learn how to be triumphant, to learn how to be victorious, because if you Allow God to use the circumstances in your life, even the ones um, to where you deserve everything that came your way. If you still allow God to use it for the good, because remember, you got you guys know that in God's word, he said that um, all things work together for the good to those that love the Lord. So God can take your circumstances and he can take what it is that you're going through and he can make it better. He can turn it around for the good. Because God doesn't want to see us suffer. He doesn't want to see us um, going through the trials that he's allowed to, to take us under, right? So how can we um, overcome? How can we become victorious? How can we remain victorious? And my word to you is, is that in order to overcome and to remain victorious is, is that you have to use your weapon, Right? Or your weapons, and one of your weapons that you have as a child of God is prayer. Prayer is not um, you talking to God and you talking at God, but prayer is a sincere conversation with God, right? Prayer is a sincere fellowship with God where you talk to God, and as you're praying, you're asking God to help you with the circumstances, to help you with the situations. You're also, in that prayer time, you are also waiting to hear from what God has to say. You're waiting to hear his answer. You're waiting on him. And I'm not saying you have to sit there three and four hours, but if that's what the Holy Spirit is guiding you or leading you to do, then fine. There are times when you are praying and then you'll be done with your prayer and then in three days, you know, God will give you an answer. And if that's how God wants to do it, then he, that's how he does it. But in your prayer time, using your weapon, which is prayer, you can always ask God to turn the circumstances around. Okay. Now, the first example that I want to give you that God uh, gave me to show you was the example of Moses. Okay. If you don't know, Moses was a servant of God and Moses was used by God to lead the children of Israel out of Egypt. Egypt was um, a place that uh, the children of Israel came out of to where they were once slaves. They were being treated meanly. They were being treated unfairly. They were being oppressed. They were being killed, murdered, and raped. And God eventually used Moses to bring up, up, bring the children of Israel up out of Egypt into the wilderness so that Moses can take the children of Israel into the land that God promised them. So that was Moses' task. So in this, um, in this chapter, I'm going to read from Exodus chapter 32, and this is going to be uh, the New International Version. In this particular passage... Moses and the children of Israel already had been traveling for some time, but they took a break. And Moses called, uh, God called Moses up the mountain and God wanted to use Moses to write the Ten Commandments. This is where the Ten Commandments uh, first came about. And God um, created two tablets of stone where God wrote on the tablets of the Ten Commandments, like thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not commit adultery, and all that jazz. And this is this was to be the rules and the laws that 
guided the children of Israel because God saw that they were being wicked. They needed some guidance and God said, okay, this is going to be the start of, this is how you should act. This is how you should uh, cooperate as my people. So this is where Moses was in his life. He was on in the mountain being used by God to create the Ten Commandments and, and he had a fellowship and an earnest uh, coming to coming to terms with God. So while Moses was doing this, the children of Israel grew impatient because even though it seemed like this is something that could have happened in a matter of hours, but really think about it. If you ever climbed a mountain, it takes hours and days, probably days to get to the top. So wherever God had Moses step, it took some time to get there. Now, who knows how long it took Moses and God to actually write the Ten Commandments on the tablets of stone. And who knows how long Moses been up there. But from the passage, they said that Moses was taking too long. So you guys know that from that, that you can gather that the children of Israel began to grow impatient, right? And because they grew impatient and Moses was their leader and Joshua was his secondhand man, um, they begin to, to um, their hearts begin to turn cold. And there was like, well... If you're going to leave us out here, we're going to create our own God. So what they end up doing is is they end up um, talking to Aaron, um, which he was supposed to be guiding them and looking over them and overseeing them. They convinced Aaron to let them take the gold that they had taken out of Egypt, burn it and make it into a calf so that way they can worship it as a God and an idol. Now, backstory, when they were in Egypt, they came from under the rulership of what's called a pharaoh, which is some type of king. But they have all kinds of rituals. They don't believe in God. They didn't worship God, but they worship idols. They worship and made like golden images. You know, they believed in like the sun god and, you know, the rain god and all this other stuff. And so that's what the children of Israel were used to. They were used to um, being around other people who did not worship the God that they worship. But because they grew impatient and the devil tempted them to to become uh, weary in their well-doing. And it was like, well, you know what? We're just going to create our own God and try to uh, take it from here. So when I read these passages, this is this is what the background history and as to why the golden uh, calf was created. So Exodus chapter 32, verse 1. When the people saw that Moses was so long in coming down from the mountain, they gathered around Aaron and said, Come and make us gods. Who will go before us? As for this fellow Moses who brought us out of Egypt, we don't know what has happened to him. Aaron answered them and said, Take off the gold earrings that your wives, your sons, and your daughters are wearing and bring them to me. So all the people took off their earrings and brought them to Aaron. He took what they handed him and made it into an idol and cast it into the shape of a calf, fashioning it with a tool. Then they said, these are your gods, Israel, who brought you out of Egypt. So, so you see here that now they're trying to claim that this golden calf, which they created and named a god, said that this god brought us out of Egypt. Now I'm going to skip down to verse 7. Then the Lord said to Moses, go down because your people whom you brought out of Egypt have become corrupt. They have been quick to turn away from what I have commanded them and have made themselves an idol cast into the shape of a calf. They have bowed down to it and sacrificed to it and have said, these are your gods, Israel, who brought you out of Egypt. Verse 9, I have seen these people and the Lord said to Moses, and they are a stiff-necked people. Verse 10. Now leave me alone so that my anger may burn against them and that I may destroy them. Then I will make you into a great nation. Verse 11. But Moses sought the favor of the Lord, his God. Lord. This is what Moses was saying to God. He said, Lord. He said, why should your anger burn against your people whom you brought out of Egypt with great power and mighty hand? Why should the Egyptians say it is with evil intent that he brought them out to kill them in the mountains and to wipe them off the face of the earth? Turn from your fierce anger, relent, and do not bring disaster on your people. 
Remember your service, Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, to whom you swore by your own self, I will make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky, and I will give your descendants all this land, and I promise them, and it will be their inheritance forever. Verse 14, then the Lord relented and did not bring on his people the disaster he had threatened. Verse 15, Moses turned and went down the mountain with the two tablets of the covenant law in his hand, and they were inscribed on both sides, front and back. The tablets were the work of God, and the writings was the writing of God engraved on the tablets. Now, as you can see what I had said before I read this, God was so mad with the children of Israel because they had turned away from him. They had disobeyed him. They mocked God and said, well, who's going to take care of us now and who's going to lead us? And then not only that, they had the audacity to take the gold that they brought out of Egypt that God didn't even have to allow them to have, but they came out with gold so that they can be fed and use it as um as a means of exchanging and to get food and to, and to to um to trade cuz back in the days they didn't have money they didn't have like you know the dollar bills that we have nowadays they had they had gold they had silver they probably had coins they had cattle they had land things that they can trade in order to get something else god brought them out of the land of egypt with with gold and calves and things that didn't even belong to belong to them because remember they were slaves they didn't have anything they didn't own anything so at this point god was so mad and god said that i am going to destroy them they are no longer my children and they have disobeyed me and they have defiled my name pretty much is what, what god was saying but here you see the power of prayer that came upon moses because even though it said that Moses said to God, right, this is a plain conversation, but this is a prayer. Moses was like, God, please don't kill your children. Like, remember when I told you and I said that prayer is a conversation with God. This is what Moses was doing. He was talking to God and he was having an earnest conversation that was a prayer and he said god don't kill them don't destroy your people that you brought out of egypt and god and moses even told god he said how can you kill them and if you do you're gonna go and get your own word your own promises because you promised abraham and you promised isaac and you even promised israel that i will make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and I will give your descendants all the land that I promised them. And this is what Moses was doing. In between their journey of coming out of Egypt and then eventually into the land that God promised them, they had to stop. And this was where they had to rest. Now, they didn't rest for a day or so, even though it was really 11 days journey and it took them 40 years. You have to take a break in between your journey. And this is what they did. They took a break in their journey. But because God had called Moses to the mountain to, to, to write the Ten Commandments on a tablet, it took some time. It could have took a week. It could have took two weeks. But like I said, all I know is that the children of Israel was, you know, they was not happy. They felt like Moses took too long. So they wanted to make a calf. And make a golden image to worship because they felt like they were not being led. They felt like they were left out there in the wilderness all alone. And they were confused. But God wanted to destroy them. But Moses' prayer changed God's mind. Now, if this isn't an example that prayer can change your circumstances. And prayer can change even the heart of God. I don't know what else to tell you and i don't really know what else to give you besides the next uh example that i'm going to give you to to let you see that even if your circumstances look dire even if god was going to give you a death sentence even if god was going to say you know what because of your own sins i'm going to let you wallow in this and you could be laid up in a hospital right now 
with a doctor's report saying, hey, this happened, this happened because of the way you were living. And you may be thinking, man, I did this to myself. I am here to tell you that even though you are suffering the consequences of your actions from previous. God has the power to change it around. God has the power to heal you. God has the power to touch your life and to touch your body and to make you whole again and to make you brand new. Your, your next doctor's report may say you're healed you're healed of cancer you're healed of this blood disease you're healed of this virus and you may be thinking man god is so merciful so if you really look at the story of moses and how he prayed for the children of israel and you look at your life and you say how can i apply this to my life what does this mean for me do I have hope? And the answer to your question is yes, you have hope. Because God can heal you. And if it's in his will, he will heal you. Because God is a merciful God. He's a gracious God. He's a loving God. His love is unconditional. And there's nothing that we can do that, um, that will make God take his love away. So believe in the power of prayer. So the next story that I want to show you is the story of Job, right? The story of Job, the story that I want to give you and that I want to show you is the power of prayer in a prayer that Job said to not only restore his life, but to restore the lives of his friends. Now, this is a true power of prayer. So I'm going to read from Job chapter 42, verses 10 through 17. And I'm reading from the New International Version. After Job had prayed for his friends, the Lord restored his fortunes and gave him twice as much as he had before. All his brothers and sisters and everyone who had known him before came and ate with him in his house. They, comfort, they comforted and consoled him over all the trouble the Lord had brought upon him. And each one gave him a piece of silver and a gold ring. The Lord blessed the latter days, the latter part of Job's life, more than the former part. He had 14,000 sheep, 6,000 camels, 1,000 yoke of oxen, and 1,000 donkeys. And he also had seven sons and three daughters. The first daughter he named Jemima, the second Kezahiah, and the third Karen Hapuk. Nowhere in all the land were there found women as beautiful as Job's daughters, and their father granted them an inheritance along with their brothers. After this, Job lived 140 years, and he saw his children and their children to the fourth generation. And so Job died, an old man, and in four years. So backstory on Job. Before Job was attacked in his body and before Job's children died. Now, his children died before he had another set of children. And his, all his cattle, all his land was, was, was being destroyed. The devil was walking to and from the earth. And God said to Satan, what is wrong with you? Why are you walking back and forth in the earth? Now, this was a period of time in in all the earth in all the land that the devil was going back and forth in this region and he said to god after god asked him what are you doing why do you, why are you walking back and forth and satan said to god i have not found anyone who i can attack because everyone is is living holy they're living upright and i cannot attack them because of their righteous living and that you have a hedge of protection around them now, ain't that powerful? Ain't that a powerful testimony? You live in so good that the devil can't even touch you? That is a testimony among testimonies. So God said, okay, I have a man whom 
I will allow you to to touch his body, but you cannot kill him. You can take his his daughters, you can take his sons, you can take his his uh, cattle, his land. But God limited the devil's attacks, and God said specifically to 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 Satan, "You can do all these things, but you will not kill my servant Job." God knew Job's heart, and God knew that in the end, that Job was going to serve God no matter how many times and no matter how long the devil attacked him. And this is why God said, I will allow this trial to come upon my servant Job because I know that he will not fail me. And so after the devil attacked Job, after the devil uh, killed off Job's daughters and his 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 children and his cattle and and pretty much uh Job was almost poor at this point and his wife even went against him and said why don't you just curse God and die and some of his friends was even going against Job but it said that when Job prayed for his friends when Job get this guys when Job prayed for his friends the Bible says that that's when God restored everything that was taken from, from Job and he gave him a double portion. And the Bible said that in, in um, Exodus 32, or not Exodus 32, but Job 42, it said that God gave him twice as much as he had before. Job 42 verse 10, after Job had prayed for his friends, the Lord restored his fortune and gave him twice as much as he had before. This is another example of the power of prayer. Now, if Job would have had the mindset that, oh, this is the hand that I'm dealt, this is this is how it all ends, and I'm just gonna I'm just gonna lay here and take it. If Job would have said that, his land would have never been restored. His children would have never been restored. His cattle would have never been restored. His camels would have never been restored. His his oxen and his donkeys, nothing, the gold, nothing. Everything would have just been gone. But the power of prayer. So I am here to tell you and I am here to give you a message that God has put upon my heart to give to you. Prayer changes things prayer would change your circumstances but most of all prayer changes you more than it changes your circumstances i am a living witness to tell you don't sit down and take what the devil throws your way and whether you're suffering the consequences of your own actions or whether god is allowing a trial to come in your life because you've been living righteously because god knows that in the end you're still going to worship him. You're still going to praise his holy name. You're still going to give him thanks. And you're going to be a living testimony unto his goodness and his faithfulness. Either way, prayer changes things. It changes you and it changes your circumstances. So with these two stories being given to you and you being given an example to recognize that prayer is a conversation between you and God. And sometimes God will give you the answer right then and there. Sometimes he'll give it to you in a few hours when you're um, in his presence. And sometimes he'll give it to you in a few days or a few months or a few years. But the thing is, is that God hears your prayer. And as I'm telling you this, God is putting on my heart and he's putting in my spirit to also give you um, the example of um, his servant, Daniel. Daniel was um, a young man who, when he decided, I'm going to pray and fast and I'm going to honor God. When Daniel prayed, read, read, um, read, the chap read the book of Daniel. I think it's Daniel, the book of Daniel, the ch chapter three, I think. I'm going to try to look for it and post it in uh, the podcast notes of all the scriptures that I'm going over because I, this scripture I don't have in my notes, but the Holy Spirit is giving me this to give to you. In the book of Daniel, Daniel prayed and he pr prayed for something specific. 
And the first day that Daniel fasted and prayed, God sent an angel. He sent one of his angels from heaven to go to to deliver him to Daniel so Daniel can receive um, the word of the Lord and then what Daniel had prayed for. But in the book of Daniel, it said that the angel, the first angel that God sent to Daniel, he was held up by the prince of Persia, which is Satan. It's one of Satan's demons. You know, Satan has a hierarchy the same way that God has a hierarchy. And he has different levels of demons. And God has different hierarchies of angels. So that particular prince of Persia prevented the angel that God has sent. He delayed him. He didn't destroy him, but he delayed him from getting to Daniel for 21 days. But on the 21st day, God sent his archangel. I think it was the archangel Gabriel. That was one of his that was one of his main top angels. I believe it was three top angels, archangels. One of them was Gabriel, one of them was Lucifer. Um, and if you don't know, Lucifer um was is now Satan. He was he was cast out of heaven. So I believe that there's well back then only two archangels, and one of them was Gabriel. So he had to send the archangel Gabriel to assist the other angel in order for him to be released to defeat the prince of Persia, so that the angel that had the message for Daniel can get to Daniel. And when the angel finally got to Daniel, the angel told him, he said, Hey, look, don't be discouraged. God heard your prayer on the first day. And he actually sent me on the first day and he answered your prayer expediently. However, the angel was telling Daniel, I got caught up and I was delayed 21 days by uh, one of Satan's demons, one of his one of his little helpers. You know, I call them minions, um, one of his little helpers. And therefore, um, the archangel Gabriel had to come and help me. Right. And then eventually we broke free and defeated Satan. And now I'm here. So basically the angel of the Lord was explaining this to, to Daniel because he didn't want him to think that God never answered his prayers until now. So God wanted me to tell you that because some of you may have prayed and you've prayed for days. You've prayed for weeks. You've been praying for years. And God is saying, I hear your prayer. Right. And God may not give you the answer that you actually want. And God just put this on my heart. He said, stop necessarily looking for the answer that you want, but pray and ask me to do what it is that's in my will. Because God is saying to me right now, he's saying that there are some of you that you want God to answer the prayer that you pray in a specific kind of way. And it doesn't mean that God isn't going to do it. But he said, for some of you, who is not meant for you to have this prayer answered in this particular way. However, God is still going to give you an answer. God is saying you have to let go of what you think the outcome should be and pray about it and let it go and, and let me handle it. Because God is saying to you right now, as long as you are looking for God to do a certain thing in a certain way, God is saying, if I answer it, you're going to miss me. You're going to miss what I'm doing. You're going you're gonna to miss the opportunity that I need you to grab hold of, of your answered prayer. Because see, the thing about God answering our prayers is that we have to be ready when he answers our prayers. We cannot be distracted when he answers our prayers. And we can't be sidetracked when he answers our prayers because... God is saying, if I answer this prayer and you're not ready. Now, I didn't send something out. I didn't send my angel out to go answer your prayer. But if you're not ready, then that's going to make me and put me in a bad position. Because remember, God's word says that my word doesn't return unto me void. God's word doesn't return unto him void. Meaning if God speaks something, it has to happen. If he's answering your prayers, it has to happen. So God is saying, some of you need to let go of the expected outcome that you think you want. And let God answer your prayers his way. Right? Let God answer your prayers his way. And another thing that God wanted me to tell you, he wanted me to tell you is that 
God is going to do exceedingly and abundantly in your life. And he says, because your prayers are so small, he says, I want you to open up your mind and I want you to take the limits off of me. God says, I don't want to be limited to what you think I should do. Right? Because God is saying, I'm too big of a God to be put in a little box. And he said, I answer prayers so big and so abundantly and so exceedingly that I have to wait till you get on my accord for you to say, you know what, God, have your way. I prayed this prayer. I wanted to come out this way. But God, if you have something else in store for me, that's better for me because you know I deserve more or you know that this is not the way, then God, so be it. God is saying, I'm waiting for you to relinquish control. He said, I'm waiting for you to get out of the driver's seat. And, I, and I'm waiting for you to, to become a passenger so that way I can drive this thing home. So that way I can take control. Because God is saying, when I answer your prayer, right? When I do exceedingly and abundantly, God says, if I let you take control, right? And, and I release my angels to release the blessings. He says, you're not going to be ready for the attacks that the devil is going to bring upon your life. Because remember, when Daniel prayed, God sent his angel to send a message to Daniel that had his answer prayer in it. But if the devil can, can hinder an angel of the Lord, right? Or, you know, one of his angels of the Lord. What makes you think that when, when the blessings of God is released to you, that the devil isn't going to try to hinder you. This is why God is saying, if you relinquish control and you let me do it my way, I will equip you not only with answered prayers, but I will equip you and I will mold you in, in how, to, how to be able to handle the blessings. Because with every blessings, okay, and with every level that we are promoted to, becomes a new devil, Right? So, you know, you if you've heard the saying before, if you haven't heard it, I'll say it now. Some people will say uh, um, every new level is a new devil. Every new level is a new devil. And it's true, right? Because the devil, like God, he has his own, his own hierarchy. And, and answered prayers is, is God breaking through the dark realm and, and pushing down through earth and giving us the things that he has for us. And every time God answers a prayer, right? And every time we say prayers, we disturb the atmosphere of the devil. And the devil doesn't like this, right? Because the devil wants what he wants control of his little region. So every time we get answered prayers, every time we fast and pray, every time we pray for the people around us, it disturbed the atmosphere of the devil and it makes him mad and it makes him tremble. Because even the devil knows the power of prayer. The devil knows the power of prayer because he was once an angel, he was once an angel in heaven. Right? Now, the other part of this uh that I want to give to you is that understanding the power of prayer and that prayer changes things, right? When we pray, when you pray, pray in faith, right? And not in fear. Because you can pray in fear. And God says, if you pray out of fear, I'm not going to answer your prayers. Because that's not how I roll. God is saying, either you're going to pray in faith or you're going to take your, your faithless prayers and go stand over there in a corner until you could come back and pray faith-filled prayers. Because God is saying, I don't want you to be double-minded. I don't want you to go back and forth with, oh, is God going to answer this? Oh, then maybe he's not. Is God going to answer this? Oh, maybe he's not. Or you go pray and then you go back and you pick it up. God is saying, I don't want you to have that. Because God is saying, for one, you're not called to be double-minded. You're called to have a sound mind. So when you pray and you pray in faith, Believe what God has said that he was going to do and believe that your prayers are going to be answered 
and and it may not be answered how you want but just believing in the fact that god is going to answer your prayers is enough for for your faith to abide so i'm going to read to you james chapter 1 verses 5 through 8 and this is what god says about a double-minded man and i'm i'm reading out of the new international version if any of you lacks wisdom you should ask god who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is a double-minded and unstable in all his ways. God is saying, if, if you pray, you cannot doubt, Right? And God put it on my heart to give you the story of Abraham. When Abraham and Sarah was like 90 and 80 years old, they was like super old. I don't know exactly the age, but they was up there in age. And and Sarah, she was at that age where she couldn't bear children. Right? And even and even Abraham was so old that he couldn't, you know, produce, you know, well, I don't want to say it on podcasts, but you know, that he couldn't produce what he needed to, you know, to do the whole reproductive thing. Right. I'm gonna keep it PG. So they were just that old. Right, but God gave Abraham and Sarah a promise that says that I will make you a father of many nations. Now, Sarah, on the other hand, she was double minded, she laughed at God and was like, eh, I don't know about that. And then Andrew had to correct her because God was like, You out of line. But Abraham, if you go back and read his story, Abraham he never wavered in faith, he never doubted God. Now, did they try to do it on their own because? You know, Abraham at one point was listening to Sarah because she doubted and she, you know, got Abraham to, you know, have sex with, um, you know, Hagar, who was the, the, um, the, the bonds lady, which is, you know, back in their days, a slave. She was a servant. Yes, they did. And did they have a, a child that was not of the promise? Yes, they did. But Abraham still did not lack faith. He did not doubt. Right. So. Abraham is an example of when you don't doubt, because remember, God gave Abraham the promise first, and then the angel had came to Sarah. Abraham did not doubt. He was not a he was not double minded in all his ways, and because he did not doubt, God came through on his promise. And God is saying to you today, when you pray, believe that He is at work. The minute you pray. Believe that he has sent his angel the minute you pray. I don't care if you're living in sin. I don't care if you've um, done wrong. I don't care if you're living righteous. Prayer changes things. Now, I'm not saying live in sin and, and, and be, you know, hunky-dory and, 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 you know, be disobedient on purpose, right? But even if you was a person that lived in sin or was living in sin and you're praying and asking God to help you with something um, to, to help you become a better person because you don't want to live in sin anymore or you've um, been suffering the consequences of your actions. It's not that God is not going to answer your prayers because he is. So I don't want you to think that, oh, well, I don't live the most righteous life. That doesn't mean that you cannot pray. So as you're praying, if the devil is trying to beat down into your mind, oh, you're a sinner Oh, you're no good. You don't deserve it. Uh, answer prayer. No, none of us deserve answer prayers. Right? But do we live righteously in and through Jesus Christ? Yes. But are we sinners? Yes. Do we deserve answer prayers and abundance of life? No, we don't. Right? But it's the mercies of God. It's the grace of God. It's his unconditional love that he has for us. Right, it's not us, it's not our works. So, I'm here to tell you that even if you think I don't deserve this, pray anyway, pray anyway, because God is saying, I hear you, I'm gonna answer your prayers. You don't have to suffer in the circumstances. He's like, I can heal you of the cancer, He says, I can heal you of this disease that the doctors don't know much about. He said, I can heal you of this virus. I can heal you of whatever sicknesses that's bothering you. He says, I can heal your family members. He says, I can restore the people that are around you. Come on, Job. You pray for your friends that, that are not living uh, too holy. You can pray for them. 
God can restore their lives. And God can even restore unto you what was stolen. And even if you're going through a trial because you've been living righteously in, in, in a holy life, you know, if you're going through a trial and you're like, God, man, I've, I've done everything right. Why does this have to come upon me? Why not you? If you've been living righteously and, and God is allowing you to go through a trial, it's because he needs you to be a living testimony. He needs you to be a witness to those around you who they may not be saved. They may not know the Lord. Or maybe they did get saved, but they're not deeply rooted in God like they should be through Christ. And you are that living and walking testimony that they need to see that, man, God is real. God can't get me through this. If God can get this person through it, then there's hope for me. So keep praying. Keep believing in prayer, right? And keep believing that God will do what he said he would do. Because God is just that good. And he is just that merciful. And God can answer your prayers. And he will answer your prayers. But you got to give him time. You can't rush God. You can't rush him and be like, oh, well, God, you're taking too long. Let God take his time. Because good things come to those who wait. And you never know, God may have something bigger in store for you. He may have something better than what you ever expected. So let God take his time. Don't rush him. And even if he's taking his time and, and you're not rushing him, you know, don't doubt that he's, he's going to do what he said he's going to do. And and don't give up in, in thinking that, man, he hasn't hurt me. Some things take time. And that's okay. Believe in the power of prayer. So what does prayer look like to you? It doesn't have to be fancy, like I was saying before. It doesn't have to be, you know, um, strength, you know, uh, like fancy or uh, like extra candy. It doesn't have to be, um, you know, in a certain posture. You don't have to have certain, you know, um, words put together, right? All it is is a simple conversation with God, with all humility, with all reverence and fear. Saying to God, hey God, I'm in a situation and I need you to get me out of it. Or if you don't want to get me out of it, give me the strength to go through it. How can I uh, look at this situation and, and change my life? How can I use this for the better? How can I become victorious in a situation how can i overcome and the most important question that you want to ask which is going to be a hard question is is how can i through this situation be a living testimony and sometimes that's hard it's hard sometimes to be a living testimony you know when you're going through a sickness when you're going through a trial where your enemies are just going after you it's hard when, you know, um, things are hard for you financially because you've come from a, a family bloodline of, of people lacking and people never having enough. It's hard. It's hard when, you know, you've made mistakes and you're suffering from your consequences and, you know, maybe you have a jail record. You know, maybe you have certain things on, you know, on your, um, your record that prevents you from getting certain jobs. And you may be thinking, man, I messed my life up. You didn't mess your life up too bad because God can always put you in a position to where you can win. He can always put you in a position to where you have a job, to where you make more than enough. There's plenty of jobs out there. There's plenty of things out there that you can do. It may not be what you want, but like I said, sometimes God's answered prayers doesn't come how we think it should come, you know. You may be praying, oh, God, give me a six-figure corporate job in order to pay my bills. But God may be saying, I want you to work in the Department of Sanitation. It's a great paying job, but it doesn't look like what you prayed because you want the high fancy job. And God is saying, I got something for you over here that's better. And if you accept it and if you allow God to answer your prayers, the way that he sees fit, any end, I promise you, any end, you are going to say thank you. 
you are going to say, thank you, God. And when you pray in a hospital bed, and when you pray that God turns a situation around, when you pray about your promotion, when you pray about certain things that God comes through, you're going to say, thank you. You're going to say, even though you didn't do it my way or how I thought it should be, your way was way better than what I ever could imagine. Because I've been there. I know other people have been there. And God knows what he's doing 100% of the time. He always knows what he's doing. He always knows what's going on. And he always knows the best for you. He knows what's great for you. And he knows everything about us before we even know it. So why not trust the one who, who has a master plan? Why not trust the one who has the blueprint of our lives? He knows from the beginning to the middle to the end. So I pray that this podcast is a blessing to you. And I pray that you do not give up on prayer. Whatever it is that you're praying for, whatever it is that you're believing God for, keep praying. I know for me, I have certain things that I've been praying about for a few years now that I want God to uh, to answer and, and to, 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 you know, provide for me. And it hasn't happened yet. But I still believe to this day that God will answer those prayers. And it may not be now and it may not be tomorrow. But I know that if I keep the faith that God will answer these prayers. So I want to tell you again, keep faith and keep hope alive. Because God takes your prayers very seriously and he hears your prayers. I don't care if you're going through a trial that he has ordained. I don't care if you're going through and suffering consequences for things that you have done that is based on your own actions. You are a child of God and he's going to carry you and he's going to love you regardless. Regardless of what you've done to put yourself in a situation. All you have to do is ask God to help you get through it or to get around it, to get under it, to get from out of it because he loves you this much. And I pray that this is a blessing to you and I pray that you take this to heart. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.